0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Sports Prep Live. Sports Prep Live where we unbox the mic and talk excellence in athletics. Welcome back to Sports Prep Live. I'm your host, Graydon Prescott, and this is episode two of the Prep Sheet. Joining me again today is KB. What's up, KB? Welcome back. How are you? Great and good to be back. Great to have you. Obviously on the last episode we had great discussion about Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, a lot of NCAA talk, and a lot of high school basketball. Today we're going to be focusing less on personalities and more on controversies. Our first topic of discussion today will be the hazing scandals at Northwestern. Um, the football program is facing um, an escalating crisis, allegations of, you know, racism and Hazing, yes. yeah, all, all that sort of stuff broke out. They're facing at least twelve lawsuits. So, that is our first topic of discussion today. Right, right. Um, and this was one of our our more controversial, paid attention to articles that we have written so far for the blog. So,
1: yeah, and we got a lot of feedback on this one. I think because it was so jarring to right. a lot of our readers. Um, this, this, uh, this post that we featured on the prep sheet, um, deals with, uh, a lot of African-American athletes who have been at Northwestern, this one primarily through football, right. but other athletes and other sports uh, have started to bubble up and have started to talk about their experiences, their, uh, their experiences there as well. Um, it has involved, uh, basketball, it has involved, uh, volleyball, um, you name it, and there has been some people that have come forward and said, hey, this is, this has happened in our vertical too, our sports vertical too. Um, they lost their football coach as a result of uh, these charges that have come out. Of course he's denied um, any knowledge of any hazing. Um, they've hired uh, the the famed civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump, who the athletes have to represent them um, in their their lawsuits against, not only the coach, but the university. Um, And it's something that has spread throughout college programs in a number of sports, primarily in football. It it certainly exists in in other sports as well, but um, that's the alpha male. Um, If anyone comes into the program that they deem as uh, weak or that they deem as unprepared, um, those tend to be the individual's that have gotten the brunt of a lot of this hazing, um, but some of it um, is uh, has been relegated to um, just an issue of, of flat-out racism, um, subjecting uh, you know their African American players um, to punishments, uh, to incidents of hazing that they haven't subjected um, their, their white counterparts to, and so this story has really. Taken fire, and obviously, you can see how uh, passions would be inflamed on either side yeah. uh, racially. Um, but there seems to be a lot of merit so far to uh, the allegations that have been made. And at this point, they are just allegations, right? Everyone is in- innocent until proven guilty. But it's a big black eye for Northwestern, which is a really um, outstanding program there in the Big Ten, or I should say, outstanding university in the big 10. Um, and so for them to have to kind of go through this, um, some believe deservedly so, um, has really kind of shaken, um, that institution to the core. And, um, there's, there's going to be more to come on, on this particular story because people, again, are just starting to, to speak out and to kind of piggyback off of that. There's also, and I think we covered this on the prep sheet as well. Um, there is a gambling um, scandal at the University of Iowa and Iowa State, more so Iowa State than, than the University of Iowa. But um, players there are, are accused of, of gambling or gambling on games that they participated in or gambling on games that they knew people uh, uh, in. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, college football has a little bit of house cleaning to do because um, some of this stuff is legacy stuff that, right. that has just gone on for a long time. Uh, but yes, those have been big stories on the prep sheet. And we'll continue to follow those stories, continue to update the readers on
0: those um, as more information unfolds. Yeah, and piggybacking off of the Iowa Iowa State um, gambling issue, one of the players, Aaron Ulyss, he was a former Hawkeyes player that transferred to Nebraska, um, he was reported to be involved in nearly um, nineteen hundred wagers and totaling about thirty five thousand dollars. Wow! Yep, um, four hundred and thirty were involving NCAA football events. At least one was involving the team he was playing for. um Do you think that? Do you think that athletes should? have a little bit more leeway when it comes to, you know, oh, it's their money and I can do what I want with it. Or should it really be strict rules, um, bestowed upon them for what they can do and what they can't do, especially with respect to the gambling.
1: I think with gambling, you really have to draw a hard line because you start to enter into um, really deep waters yeah. Uh, in terms of behavior, uh, in terms of negative outcomes uh, when we're talking about gambling. Uh, money changes everything. Yeah, it does. And so here's an area where I do support uh, what the NCAA governing body is trying to do with respect to gambling. And it's tough because it's illegal, right? And, you know, here in Las Vegas, you can bet on a lot of these contests. And so, and then there's apps that you can bet on things. Um, so I, I do understand that it is out there and it's, it's readily available. But um, you have to know as a, a college athlete, it's particularly at a Division One school, but really any uh, college program, you have to know that there are just lines that not only should you not cross, you shouldn't even come up to those lines. Yeah, And I think gambling is one of those things because, again, it can lead to some really bad outcomes if – a player was to gamble, lose a lot of money, not be in a position to pay that money back, um, lose it to an individual or an organization um, that is not interested in hearing your excuses. Um, that really puts the player and to a certain extent the uh, the, the program in a really compromising position. so, yeah, I agree with them on this particular issue, the, you know, the way that the NCAA is looking to kind of crack down on gambling. Hazing, I think that they're not doing as, as much as they, they should be doing. Um, they, they've kind of had a blind eye to it because it's been viewed as being tough or toughening up some of the, the again, the weaker players that come in or the younger players that come in. Um, there has to be another way to kind of get them on the same page. Uh, to toughen them up if that's what they're looking to do. Um, but, but hazing is not the answer. And one of the ways that you get an organization to, to, to understand that is to hit them in the pocketbook. And, and you can be, Ben Crump is looking to hit them in the pocketbook. And it's not just a money grab, but a lot of these guys and, and gals for uh, the sports that you know it's happened to them in um, have really been psychologically and emotionally damaged by what has happened to them in these sports and on these campuses. So there, there does need to be a reckoning um, with respect to hazing. And hopefully uh, the NCAA takes uh, a, a bigger stand and, and um, a, uh, takes on a louder message in terms of reinforcing that this is not to be tolerated um, on a particular campus or
0: in a particular program or in the NCAA in, in general. Yeah. And and I think what program directors for the NCAA and coaches throughout the NCAA have failed to realize is um, hazing. It doesn't just start at, you know, oh, we're going to be racist or we're going to do this or that. That can really end up being a lawsuit. It starts with um, people encouraging, oh, he's just a young rookie. You know, he's going to go get our laundry. He's going to go get the donuts every day. That's where it starts with just that. And, you know, you hear Michael Jordan talking about having to do his teammates' laundry when he was a rookie and all these athletes talking about when they were rookies or freshmen having to do, you know, simple tasks for the rest of the team um, just because they were the youngest. And I think a lot of athletes have taken that and just taken it way too far, which is where hazing comes from um, throughout the NCAA. And I think the NCAA has not done a great job on cracking down. Yeah. On that type of behavior from their upperclassmen, um, just because they think, "Oh, it's just it's a it's a tradition, and you know it's it's what's always been the case, so there can't be anything wrong with it." And that tradition, that ideal of tradition, is what can jam a lot of people up. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting if you look back
1: at hazing historically, at least with respect to. Um, college programs, sports programs because of course you have it in uh, fraternities you know, yeah um, but and that in and of itself became a thing. there are fraternities that were shut down there were fraternities that have been kicked off school campuses um, because uh, engaging in some of this this same behavior and not knowing where to draw the line. I think in professional sports um, there is a line that that they don't cross because ultimately you're dealing with another grown man. Um, And, you know, something that isn't talked about a lot is what you are subjected to really is dependent upon the talent level that you come into, say, the NBA with. There are players that are good enough where they can say, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. Um, There are players that aren't in a position to say no. You know, they're hanging on by the seat of their pants to a spot on that particular team. And so there's a power dynamic that is involved in this as well. Michael Jordan did humble himself, but only to a certain extent. You know, Michael knew very early on, as did the team, he was the man when he showed up. And so he did carry the bags. You pay for dinner, you know, everyone shows up, you think you're paying for four or five guys and 15 guys and their wives show up and the rookie has to pay for it. And that's harmless. And what that is meant to do is to humble the newcomer that is coming into the tribe. So I do understand that, that notion. I do understand it from that vantage point. But you do, you can take it too far. And I think in... High school sports and in college sports, you don't see as much of it in high school, but in college sports, um, they've just taken it a little bit too far. They don't recognize that, okay, well, this person isn't a professional athlete. He's a student, but he's not one of the stronger athletes or the bigger athletes or the hyper-talented athletes. And so you can get away with a little bit more. And if he doesn't want to be shunned, I'm always saying he, but it happens in women's sports as well. Um, If that individual doesn't want to be shunned, then they have to go along to get along and not say anything, and I think that's what happened with a lot of these Northwestern players. They 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 just went along to get along, and it started to crack um, once they left school and start. And people started to speak up on it, and they recognized that not only did it happen to them, but it was continuing to happen to people that were in the program, you know, currently. Um, so it's it, it like you said, it's it's. It's corrosive, and it's something that the NCAA needs to get a handle on and stomp it out. It has long uh, since outlived its usefulness. Um, kids now who will spend almost their entire lives getting prepared for sport—they um, come in with a sense of humility. So you know that you're joining a team. You you want to be as con- you know to 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 operate and be as conducive as to the to the team ethos to the team ethos as you possibly can. Excuse me. So I don't think that you need to humble these, these kids that are now coming into sports. And so this is probably, not probably, this, this is a, a tradition that has outlived its usefulness.
0: Yeah. And obviously we feel that the NCAA really needs to crack down on that. Something that the NCAA has actually been trying to crack down on, um, maybe not the right focus for them, is player movement. Yes, And, um, you know, obviously recent reports, NCAA is trying to pass a rule um, that only grants players eligibility to transfer after three years. A law, actually. A law. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I do not agree with that law. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Where are your stances? Uh, What do you feel about that? Yeah, we covered this on the prep
1: sheet. So um, Senator Tommy Tuberville, who who was formerly um, a college coach, I think in Alabama if I'm not mistaken, um, and Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia um, were impressed upon by a lot of Tuberville's former colleagues in college coaching ranks, football coaching ranks, to um, put together some legislation that kind of reeled in, uh, some of what they saw as the extravagances of the, the, the new wave of NIL deals that have happened, uh, as a consequence of the Supreme court case a few years ago, uh, that was originally brought by, uh, Edward O'Bannon from UCLA. Um, and that was about, you know, a college athlete having the right, having dominion over their name, image and likeness, likeness, which is NIL. Um, but because once that, that Supreme Court case happened, um, it kind of opened the floodgates and it allowed, uh, athletes to monetize for themselves, um, their own image, their own name, their own, their own likeness. And of course, there's going to be a lot of companies, uh, and brands that are interested in, um, these athletes as quote unquote products, uh, because they are influential because, um, they do have a level of fame or notoriety. Um, they're they're a dynamic athlete in a dynamic sport, and so there's going to be a following. And anytime you have a personality that 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 has a following, there is the opportunity to move consumers uh, based on what uh, that athlete chooses to wear or say or you know experience that they 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 choose to engage in. And so what Senator Tuberville and Senator Manchin did is said, all right, well. We want to kind of handcuff or put a collar around the types of NIL deals that athletes can um, participate in, engage in. We also want to give um, authority to the NCAA to nix or to um, uh, to do away with a given deal, a proposed deal, to just to cancel that deal and say, no, you are not permitted to uh, take up that brand. They're saying it's simply in cases where, let's say, it's a Nike school and you are an an Adidas brand apostle, if you will. You know, um, Adidas pays you to wear their shoes or Puma. And so you come into the program wanting to wear their shoes uh, or you wear their gear. Um, That's inconsistent with, you know, obviously that school's relationship. And so they want that relationship to have dominion. That I understand, but you shouldn't be able to then turn around and say that that individual can't have, outside of those uh, limited circumstances, can't have a relationship uh, with a particular brand because it is a competitor to someone that the the school has a relationship with or a brand that the school has a relationship with, or even a potential competitor that they want to give the school's dominion over whether or not um, a student on their campus can engage in an NIL deal. I think that's unfair. And then to the point that you raised, part of their legislation also says, and this is where they're really handcuffing athletes, is once you come into a program and you sign a commit a commitment letter that you can't transfer to another school, independent of why you may want to transfer, you're not getting playing time, um, you're not playing in a system that takes advantage of your natural abilities and your skill set, so you, you're looking to transfer to someplace else where you're going to get more playing time. Um... But this legislation would say no. You can't do that. You can't transfer until you have fulfilled your three-year term at the initial institution, and I think that's where they're getting a lot of a lot of pushback. That's what I believe to be exceedingly unfair, yeah. and it's been coaches like you know Nick Saban and uh, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, Nick Saban um, at um, Alabama. Uh, at Alabama, um, Ohio State um, uh, Auburn, um, like you said, Alabama, like these are the, these are the programs that are wanting to push back on, on some of the, the, the NIL stuff, um, and kind of handcuff athletes a little bit. So yeah, we're going to continue to watch this story. Um, it's really interesting. And our vantage point is to kind of support the athletes that, that there has to be obviously some, uh, some rules, some regulations but I don't think that they should collar the athletes to the extent that this legislation does. And luckily, there's some other legislation out there, you know, Senator Cory Booker out of mm-hmm. New Jersey, that is a little bit more friendly towards the athlete, but still, you know, speaks to some of the concerns of the NCAA.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it the NIL, especially with conflicting brands, you know, if a school has a Nike sponsorship and an athlete has a um, NIL deal with Adidas, I guess I can understand that a little bit. But you see that in professional professional sports, yeah. excuse me, all the time, you know, every NBA team, um, their jerseys are produced by Nike and you have players signing with Adidas and Under Armour and Anta and you know, Leaning and all of these different brands right, right. Um, that aren't Nike, but, you know, you don't see restrictions coming down on them, so... Just because you consider these college athletes, you know, they're not getting paid by their schools to play, which was another controversy a few years back. Mm -hmm. Um, Big topic of discussion, whether or not athletes, collegiate athletes, should be paid. Um, You know, just because coaches are saying, well, these athletes aren't paid and they're not professionals. They shouldn't have the right to uh, NIL. um, That conflicts with our school. And I think the bigger issue is the player movement. Right. Right especially you know you're handcuffing players from being able to do what's best for them and what's best for their careers and um, we talk about her all the time but one of the places that I really tip my hat to Angel Reese she started out her career at Maryland Mm -hmm. and she wasn't getting the playing time that she felt that she deserved and she transferred to uh, she transferred to LSU and her career has completely uh, turned around and taken off for the better and I just I have all the respect in the world for that decision to um, switch schools and um, better um, better her chances at mm-hmm. having a successful career. But with this new law that is, um, you know, currently proposed, she wouldn't have been able to do that. She right. wouldn't have, you know, she probably wouldn't have been in a situation where she would possibly be a top first round pick for the for the WNBA within the next few years she wouldn't be in the position where she's getting NIL deals and all this stuff that's um, that's come to her because she decided that it was best for her to switch schools. Um, she wouldn't have been able to do that, especially with this um, this new law. Yeah, it was, you know, she was
1: playing in the shadow of Diamond Miller, mm-hmm. and Diamond Miller is a problem.
0: Diamond is great. She can hope. Yep. So
1: I understand that, and um, that was the right decision for her. And, you know, obviously it manifested uh, itself uh, in the way of a a national championship. But even beyond that, like you said, it gave her the opportunity to develop her game. It gave her the opportunity to get more playing time and to become a better athlete and probably cleared the way for her to, you know, have a real shot at being a top five pick in the, you know, for the WNBA draft. And there's others that this has worked out for. You know, uh, a, a family that you you know and, and you've seen them play, uh, the Joneses out of out of Iowa City, right? Yeah. Like Aubrey and Ashley Jones. Um, they were on the same team at one time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but Aubrey wasn't getting the playing time that she was looking for. Um, and you would have thought coming into college that wow, this is going to be a tandem that you know yeah. the country, the whole country is going to d- soon be aware of. Um, Aubrey played with. Uh, Caitlin Clark um, w- for the national championship team yeah. uh, for all Iowa Tech. Uh, they won the national championship in 2018. Um, but Aubrey left, um, and I think she went to Oklahoma, yeah. maybe. And Kylie as
0: well was on that
1: was on yeah, that Iowa yes. State Ky- team. And Kylie Fierback was she, also on uh, Iowa State. And, she's now at Iowa, and she's now at at Iowa. And then um, I think Greta who was, I think, Greta was at Oregon. Oregon State, she yeah, was a beaver. Initially, mm-hmm. and I think Greta now is at Michigan.
0: Yep, that's right.
1: So it, um, and for those of you who don't know, um, you know, Aubrey, um, Greta, uh, Kylie. Kylie, we haven't seen as much, but but Greta can hoop. Uh, yeah. Schroeder, I think her last name is, or something this, like that. She
0: has a crazy last name, um, and I'm not going to attempt to say it. Yeah,
1: but she's the only Greta on Michigan's basketball team, so look out for her. Greta is a baller-focused. Um, um, uh, she's big time, so yeah. shout out to Greta. Uh, but yeah, it happens in both female, uh, with, with females and males in sports. And most of these athletes are doing it because they want to put themselves in a better position. They're not doing it for the
0: dollar opportunity yeah. that may be tied to it. Yep. And the last thing that we are going to be able to touch upon in this episode here is Stephen A. Smith recently was hosting a basketball camp and yes. he has gotten a lot of pushback on the prices that he was requiring for people to attend that camp. Three thousand dollars per kid. Yes. Stephen A, look, Stephen A is a man that I look up to. I respect and, you know, the career that, you know, career path that I hope to follow someday. You know, he kind of paved the way. Um but at this you know, as much as I respect Stephen A, and you know, he'll always be to me the greatest sports analyst sports broadcaster of all time uh, that's just my personal opinion right, right. but you know three thousand dollars a kid is a little a little much he caught um, <laughs> and I know this is our closing segment but yes he caught a lot of flack for
1: that we had to do a post on it yep um, mm-hmm. it was bubbling up out there and people were talking about it. I wanted to know more about it, but essentially, yes, that's what happened. He partnered with, I believe, IMG Academy to do a a youth basketball camp. In his defense, he would say he allowed or he um, made sure that IMG handed out a handful of scholarships for their basketball camp. But at $3,000 a pop, you're going to have to. That's a lot of money for a a basketball camp. It is. Um, Unless that camp is going on for three or four months. Um, and camps just don't do that. And not only that, it would have to be an elite, elite camp Yes, going on for three to four months. And not to mention that there are families that can pay that. Yeah. Um, but that I think people felt was a little bit much again, shout out to Stephen A. He's a great broadcaster. Um, but I just don't know if there was a lot of thought put into the optics yeah. of, of doing a camp at that price point, even if it was with the, 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 the esteemed IMG Academy.
0: Yeah, at at $3,000 per person it, even though you know that uh that school is esteemed and um one of the best both football and basketball yes, programs yes. in the country. At $3,000 a person as good as the camp may be starts to look like a money grab. Yeah. And um you know, I'm sure that wasn't their intention, but you know, you got to be aware of the optics of what those uh, the nuances of that may look right,
1: like. and if it's for elite high school, yeah, if players. It, if, that, it, that's if it's, one thing. If it's
0: a top one hundred camp, yes. that's one thing. Yes. But you know, little but, but kids. This was a youth camp. Yeah, little kids. Yes. You know, kindergarten through eighth grade or whatever it was. He got
1: a little bit defensive. So hopefully he's yeah. learned from it because I, I do know that he got a
0: little bit defensive yeah, but when, sh- as, as the media kind of uh, caught on to the, yeah. the, the story. Shout out to Stephen A. Still l- Absolutely. love his work. Absolutely. A lot of respect for him. Just, you know, that one caught me off guard a little <laughs> bit. All right. Well, KB, thank you again for joining me. You bet. On this On this second episode, episode two. Of, the, of, the, of the Prep Talk. It was great having you. We had great conversation Thank you everyone for tuning in to sports prep live. It's been great having you. You can tune it. You can tune into our other episodes on Apple podcasts on Spotify, um, wherever you get your podcasts and you can, uh, you can read the prep sheet for more and for the full stories on sportspreplive.com. You can follow us on Instagram. You can DM us if you have any suggestions, things to talk about topics to discuss Thank you for tuning in. I'm Graydon Prescott. And as always, have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sports Prep Live. I'm Graydon Prescott. And don't forget to catch all of our episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Sports Prep Live. Thank you.